Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Getaway day down here at the ballpark today. 12.08 is first pitch. The Angels AAA affiliate Salt Lake is in town. Beautiful day for a baseball game. If you're able to sneak out of the office looking for a place, maybe a different place to have lunch or to talk to a client, uh, come on down, find a couple of seats. Watch a little baseball, grab a hot dog, and uh, sit on uh, the beautiful skies in downtown Des Moines and watch a little minor league baseball with the AAA Iowa Cubs. Uh, Randy Wehofer is going to join us here momentarily. We'll ask Zuba Mahente coming up from ESPN in about 20 minutes as we approach the midway uh, point in the month of August. But that normally, at least the last little while, Randy, the last decade or so, has meant, well, it's coming to an end. It's sure gone by fast. But this year may be a little bit different as you've got some, and I don't want to jinx it, uh, but perhaps an opportunity for some postseason baseball on the horizon. How about that? Well, with a 10-game lead with 20 games to play, hopefully it takes pretty a good. lot more than you talking on the radio to, <laughs> to, to jinx this. We uh, we feel pretty good about uh, our spot. We do have eight games head-to-head left with Memphis, who's mm-hmm. the one that's 10 games behind us. So mathematically, we have business to take, to take care of uh, in those series with the Redbirds. Uh, but uh, it has been. A good group, a fun season. The weather's been good since uh, school let out and mm-hmm. after Memorial Day and that long road trip that we had at the, at the end of May. So, uh, yeah, things have come together. And and certainly winning and losing, as we've talked about before, is not the number one priority right. uh, at, at minor league baseball. But uh, to do it every once in a while, uh, to give the hometown fans something to cheer about and uh, a good narrative in the off season, uh, and this has been a great group. So uh, we're we're excited for the possibilities. Uh, Sam Burnaby and uh, Tommy Birch did a really good piece. Des Moines Register quoted Sam a bunch, and it's just it's different. It's a different crowd you're going to attract. Once you know, as he mentioned, school is back in. Uh, you guys really focused during the off season about the regular season. Uh, playoffs are, uh, come upon us, and football's going on, and school activities are underway. It's it's different to I guess market or to sell baseball in this market, despite the fact it's postseason yeah and because so little of it's guaranteed you know the best of five series to begin sure. we get games three four and five well if we win or lose in three that, that's only one game here uh either way uh and the same in the second round uh so uh, i'm encouraged by the the buzz and the interest that the wild uh received mm. in the spring when they made their yeah. first playoff run uh, the Wolves energy uh, playoff run a couple years ago was was well received. And in fact, we haven't been in it for 10 years. I think the baseball fans in this market uh, uh, will be excited uh, for something a little bit different. And I think if San Antonio wins the other side, you got the Cubs and Brewers, AAA affiliates wow, playing in the that. postseason. It'll be a good story to, to talk about. So uh, we'll do our best to. to make it as interesting as possible and you just hope that you have as much notice as you can to let people play and that's the hardest part is just you know so many if and if and maybe scenarios at this point in time but all that will take shape here in the next couple of weeks and uh, certainly good weather come uh, that time going to be an important piece of it too yeah usually it's a beautiful time yep. of year there's always somebody in a league meeting that says well why don't we start later because the weather's so much better in september than it is in april but the school factor no matter how good the weather is uh, the people's lives are just different uh, once school starts back up so uh, the baseball calendar is in the right spot where it needs to be and uh, you just uh, appreciate the opportunities you have uh, when they come around and, and, and try not to take them for granted. Addison Russell down here, had a homer, uh, what, two days ago, his fifth since he's been down here. 
what have you seen out of him? I know we talked earlier this season about Ian Happ, who's gone back up and played incredibly well. What have you seen with Addison Russell as he's back here in Des Moines? Yeah, I think they're very similar guys uh, in terms of personality. They're both fairly quiet in, in general. Uh, they're they're very focused and, and intense competitors. They're both very talented uh, people. But uh, you know, I see two guys who needed a, a reset button, and, mm-hmm. and this is the place for, for that to happen. We've seen it time and time again. That's the purpose of, of the minor leagues, especially in a sport where you have to play every day. You don't get six days to work yourself out of some bad mechanic. Uh, you know, you're needed every day for your team, and if you find yourself in a spot where you can't help, uh, then you need a place to go work it out. And, and the nature of baseball uh, and the, the minor league system that it's set up to support it uh, – that's, there's a reason we've been around for 100 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> over 100 years as an industry. It's a, it's a necessary part. So um, I think there's a real tendency for guys in that age group. I think Hap just turned 25 two days ago, and Addison's 24, 25. You know, they've accomplished a lot and been around a lot, but they're still pretty young. Um, I think there's a real tendency for guys in that age group that when things don't go perfectly, they try too hard. Uh, and there's nothing worse in the game of baseball than trying too hard, uh, as strange as that may seem to say out loud. Uh, in football or basketball, you can work yourself into a lather and will yourself physically to take care of your opponent. You just can't do that here. The more you press and the more tension in your body, the worse your mechanics are, the slower your swing is. You have to find a way to control those emotions to be successful, uh, and that's why some baseball players are – are uh, you know Mike Trout gets uh, blasted for having no personality? Well, that's the, exactly the demeanor you need to have to be that great in this game, and it, you, it's hard to have it both ways. So, um, you know, I, I think this time is is serving him well as a baseball player, um, and and hopefully when he has the chance to go back, uh, the resurgence he'll have will be similar to what we've seen with Happ in Chicago. Yeah, Happ's been unbelievable. I do enjoy that Mike Trout commercial. I just want to play. I think it is. It's an MLB spot. It's really good to looking looking back at his life. All right, so you had something. I'm guessing uh, doesn't happen to you all the time uh, with Eddie Vedder making his way through the ballpark <laughs> unannounced. So take us through how, take us through what happened, how we got here, how did you find out about it, and by all accounts, a, a really good guy, but uh, something I'm sure you'll never forget, huh? Yeah, it was pretty neat. I was on the field for batting practice. My cell phone rang, and uh, Nick from Stadium Operations said, uh, the parking guys just told me Eddie Vedder pulled in. He's in the store. <laughs> I said, what? Uh, I said, really? He goes, yeah, that's what they're telling me. I said, well, I, I guess we should go welcome him then and, and check this out. Uh, and Jaron Madison, uh, the Cubs farm director, was here, and he was standing five feet away from me when I got the call. So I went over to Jaron and I said, uh, uh, I know Eddie's around a lot in Chicago. Do you have a chance to know him? He goes, yeah, I know Eddie. I said, uh, I'm getting a call that he's in the team store right now. I, I figure we should go you know, welcome him as a Cub fan. Uh, you mind if I say you're here as a kind of way to break the ice yeah. and, and not feel like I'm just kind of lurking around? He goes, I'll just go with you. So Jaron and I went into the store, and Jaron went up and said, excuse me, sir, behind Eddie's back. And Eddie turned around and said, hey, Jaron, gave him a big hug. And nice. they chatted for a little bit. Jaron said, I want to introduce you to Randy Wayho for the assistant GM here. And, and the first words out of Eddie's mouth were, you know, we really need to come back here. This is a great park. He goes, I hear you're letting people out in the outfield today. That's cool. He knew we were doing play catch on the field on, on Saturday night. That? He was holding a couple of our, 
Iowa caucus hats in his hand as he was yep. browsing some of the other things. And I said, well, we'd certainly love to have you. So I gave him one of my business cards and, and wrote my number on there and said, if you decide that you want to come back, we'll take care of you. Just let us know and let him go about his business. And, and you know, he, I, I don't think it was all that strategic to be here and out before the stadium opened necessarily. Gotcha. Uh, he was here for the gun control talk at the convention mm-hmm. center with the Democratic presidential yep. candidates. And his flight just happened to be delayed, so he so had he was some, flying commercial. Yeah, he had some extra time, and um, so knew the ballpark was yep. close to between right. the convention center and the probably looked and, and flew and, over top of it coming in and the airport, and and, and that was the happenstance of why he That's awesome. he came by the ballpark that day. So um, yeah, it was it was neat. Uh, I've been a Pearl Jam fan. I've seen them in concert a long time ago. I had the chance to tour their warehouse facility in Seattle when we were in Tacoma a couple of years ago. Uh, which was really neat. So uh, I, I did my best to not go all fanboy on him. <laughs> right. I, did, I didn't even ask for anything from him. I, I thought we were all better served as an yeah. organization and a and a community for him to feel welcome and, and want to come back as opposed to uh, being just another in the long line of people that have their hand out that meet him. That's great. I, I think uh, now that you've broken the ice, I'm also a huge Pearl Jam fan. Oh, here <laughs> we go. Wrigley. You know, I've heard from, a lot, go. Of, well, I've heard from a lot of the fan club uh, here in these last few days. Pearl Jam, they, they played in the Quad Cities years ago. They've never, at least to that I know, have played in Des Moines. Uh, at Principal yeah, I'm not Park, familiar. Pearl Jam concert, just like they do at Wrigley. Wheels are turning here. Let's make this happen, Randy. I mean, if you need some help, I, I'm right on this one. It's not as if we've made a hardline stance in opposition, Trent. Okay, we're, good, we're, good, uh, good. We're, we will keep all options open, uh-huh, and uh-huh. Uh, if we can find uh, – they may be uh, still too popular for us to be able to meet their fee for an outdoor yeah. venue, but at some point in time <laughs> – It could happen. Uh, we'll be we the right be fit and, and, the, and the Cub fan, but uh, as long as he can still sing, there will be people here to listen. Speaking of at some point in time, at some point in time, Colin Ray, you would think is going to get an opportunity to see what he could do with the uh, uh, at, in the in the bigs. He's been unbelievable here. Um, I'm not sure. You know, you would you certainly know more than I. The last uh, since you've been with the team, if there's been a starting pitcher who's been as dominant as, as Ray has been. So technically, take us through this again, and I'm sure you've shared this with us before. Not on the 40 man roster. What does that mean? How does he get? postseason where he should be at least the way he's pitching uh, tells us he should uh, up in the bigs yeah so in order to bring him up they would have to take somebody off the 40-man roster which means somebody being designated for assignment and, and exposed to waivers and, and possibly lost so they have to be willing to let someone go in order to make room for him coming back from the injury that he is i think that there's um uh, probably a, a longer proving ground to show health as well as a effectiveness mm-hmm. uh, that you don't want to uh, rush a guy uh, who's coming back from Tommy John and that kind of injury and tempt him to push it on the gas pedal too hard uh, and then be hurt again. Um, Colin doesn't seem like that kind of personality, but you know we've talked before about uh, what the adrenaline must be like to yeah. do well in, uh, on the field at Wrigley with uh, all the people screaming and yelling your name and, and, and how in, in infecting that may be. So um, I think those are the factors about why it hasn't happened yet, uh, certainly not because he's not capable by any stretch. Mm-hmm. He was there before. Um, so right. I, I think that there's a, a, a slow play there. And uh, – I learned a lot about what the Cubs were probably thinking without anyone ever saying about it. When Kyle Hendricks went on the disabled list just before the All-Star break, he and Colin were on the same day in the five-day oh, rotation, yeah. and they didn't take him then. 
uh, and that was early, you know, and, and Hendricks' injury wasn't serious. Right. Um, you know, and Alec Mills did well mm-hmm. uh, in his look. You know, it's not always just about the guy, but about all the other guys and, and, and how it goes. Um, so uh, there's a lot of factors there. And then when the rosters expand in September, they'll have to decide if there is a 40-man spot that's expendable and when there's no more baseball to be pitched here, is that the look that they want to give? I, I think other than in very short snippets, there has been not there has not been a need for a starting pitcher in Chicago this year. When Hamels went down, you know, we, we've tried Alzale, who's already on the 40-man mm-hmm. roster, Mills, who's already on the 40-man roster, uh, Chatwood, who's pitched well in bursts, and, you know, they've had guys where the depth chart hasn't quite gotten to him yet, uh, and that may just be a little bit of bad luck for him. Uh, you know, but... Cole Hamill's contract is up. Does he not come back? Mm-hmm. You know, going into spring training, does he resign? Does he have a chance to to earn the fifth starter spot? Uh, and there's plenty of people watching. Uh, and they would have to resign him after this year, right? Ray? I believe so. Yeah, as a minor league free agent, yep. stuff is usually just a, a one year deal, and and that'll be up to him and his family and and the Cubs to you know f- see what those mutual mm-hmm. feelings are. There's lots that go that go into that. I think those are probably the most likely factors as to why. He has had this sustained run of success without being called up yet uh, at this point. I think most of it has to do with health uh, and then the business roster technicalities of, of what goes on and, and just timing. The Iowa caucuses. You mentioned your close personal friend, Eddie Vetter, was, uh, had his hands <laughs> on a few things at the Cub Club. I'm sure down there there's a lot going on uh, in the team store, people buying the merchandise. Ravel is tweeting yes. about it. Take us through the idea how it kind of came to fruition, and coming up, what, Friday, August 30th, we'll get to see the Iowa caucuses in action. Yeah, we actually brought this together fairly quickly in the grand scheme of licensing and logo development and, and things. Sam was, uh, Sam Burnaby, our president and GM, was in Florida on uh, spring break with his wife, Mary, and uh, as you're likely to do on vacation, you find yourself mixing with other people in line at restaurants or different mm-hmm. places, and where are you visiting from? We're from Iowa. And he said there was about nine people in a row that said, oh, you're going to have all the politicians in town uh, soon. And it was just such a consistent thing that uh, he came back and said, well, what if we um, followed this trend? What if we did the Iowa caucuses? And everybody said, why didn't we think of this sooner in in a lot of ways? So we we went to uh, Dan Simon at Studio Simon out of Louisville, Kentucky, who's designed a lot of minor league logos Mm -hmm. and uh, some Super Bowl logos and different things and started really talking about what are the elements of how we sum that up how, how do what is what is the angle we wanted uh, it to be kind of sports related but not exclusively to baseball because caucus goers may not be baseball fans but in, uh, appreciate the tie but we are a sports team so don't ignore that so the foam finger with first for first in the nation lets you know that this is a sports related entity uh, and related to us, and then the baseball cap gets a little bit of baseball, but even if you don't like baseball, you might wear a baseball cap in the state of Iowa character and wanted to make sure that everything was red, white, and blue and all of the elements of everything because this mm. is not an endorsement of a party or a candidate. This is a celebration of Iowa's special place in the process and something that we're proud of as a state uh, and as a community um, and and speaks to how we're tied into. Uh, the the community and our heritage here and and it's come together really well the response has been outstanding um, and we uh, I've talked with the Secretary of State office and 
uh, Heidi Burhans, who's the Director of Elections, and we're going to have voter registration opportunities here. They're really excited about partnering with us on that, so it's really all about celebrating and encouraging participation in the process and That's great. Iowa's unique uh, status and, and having some cool new stuff to sell and, and wear and, and talk about. Are you fielding phone calls from around the country for this, I'm, I'm assuming? A little bit, yeah. yeah. We're hearing from people all over the place. We've got uh, we've got hats and shirts and things. We've got jerseys on the way, you know, just in case, you know, you start slow just in case people hate it, mm-hmm. uh, but they haven't. Uh, and we'll revisit this again in the spring after the caucuses are over. But it was really important if we're going to follow sure. through on this to – uh, you know, the timing before all the candidates are in town for the state fair, uh, just a lot of uh, good things going around with it. The, the two funniest things that I've heard on, on social media, uh, somebody gave us a bunch of pushback how they couldn't believe we were doing a Caucasians night because uh, oh they can't read. Uh, fortunately, other oh people my. responded. And we didn't right, have to very get quickly, in the middle of that. Uh, that the, the Caucasus and Caucasians are two very different things. And uh, somebody thought it was the carcasses. We were not doing a roadkill uh, promotion uh, either with this. So uh, there, there are some people that uh, still need some education on what the Iowa caucuses are and what they're all about. But for the most part, people have really enjoyed it. Well, that's great stuff. Randy, we have really enjoyed our the days we've been uh, fortunate to come down here and do our show, and uh, we thank you for doing that. Uh, still lots of baseball to be played, including some postseason. As you said, it would take a... Uh, somewhat of a collapse for you guys not to make the, the twins uh, the like post- collapse. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe worse, so. Worse than that even. Uh, it would be worse than that with that only 20 games left in the year. Randy, thank you again for having us down here again. Uh, baseball first pitch today is at 12:08. We'll take a timeout. We'll get Zuba Mahente from ESPN uh, Sports Center. He joins the program next. Tell Sam way to go on that. Uh, that's his idea. That yeah. he deserves a ton of credit for that good stuff. Back with more Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, Trent and I live at uh, Principal Park. Day baseball today, 1208 first pitch. The Angels affiliate uh, is in the building. It's a beautiful day, beautiful day for baseball. If you can sneak away from the office, uh, spend a few innings down here, grab a hot dog, grab a chair, and watch some minor league baseball with your first place Iowa Cubs. Let's get Zubin Mahente in here as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. Zubin, Trent, and Ken. How are you, Zubin Mahente? Good. I would assume this is probably your last one at Principal Park. It is for us. Yes, there's uh, there's one more day game, and of course, then there's Labor Day. But uh, uh, we'll be, I uh, believe, we're going to be off that day. So this will be our last visit down here. So, but you uh, you were here. You you know what this ballpark is like. Who's the best player? Uh, not, maybe not the best player, but who who came through Iowa in your tenure working in Des Moines that went on to have the um, I don't know the best, maybe the most memorable major league career? Who would that person? Who would that player be, Zubin? I'm going to put memorable in quotes because this isn't the sort of memory that this guy is going to want to have, but it was certainly notable. That was Mark Pryor. I had just missed mm. Harry Wood, I want to say. But yep. obviously the situation with Pryor, uh, the hype, I remember the Chicago stations would, you know, they took a little mini flight over here to just meet Mark Pryor. And they went back and, you know, sort of hyping up this guy, the next big thing. And 
Obviously, the situation there in the base pass and the inability to just stay healthy. I know he tried to restart his career in San Diego. But I do remember just on the initial ascent, what a big story that was. And obviously, the crescendo with 03 and everything with Bartman and all, all of it. It was just an amazing thing to see him kind of rise and to just see outside media flock in to tell his story. And it just seemed like the best was yet to come. And I did. I do think he had like an 18-win season. I, I think he showed tremendous flashes at the major league level. And then obviously injuries just wrecked it. But I do remember the palpable excitement in Des Moines. I mean, there would be nights when Alex Gonzalez would be there for a rehab assignment and the place would be buzzing. And with all due respect to Alex Gonzalez, but right. this was amazing to see Pryor come up realizing if you don't see him now, and we didn't know the injury history, but if you don't see him right now in Des Moines, chances are he ain't coming back because this is a straight shot to the moon um, if he could stay healthy and nobody at the time. He wasn't an injury-prone player, as I recall, coming out of USC, but that was amazing because it was sort of a meteor coming through Des Moines. Zubin uh, watching SportsCenter last night, and a lot of the buzz over on ESPN2 was about the Fantasy Football Marathon. 28 hours of fantasy content in a row. Zuba, do you play fantasy football? Well, I'm glad you were watching SportsCenter because we were watching <laughs> the marathon. So it was a peak for us, but I appreciate that. Yes, yes. Uh, no, I actually don't. It's one of those things where we were forming teams, and we sort of do this during Champ Week 2 when we have the 24-hour basketball marathon. But I think we started at 6 o'clock Eastern time yesterday with the marathon. I was talking to Matt Barry. Uh, who was hosting some of the coverage last night when we bumped into each other. And in the first, I think, five hours and 37 minutes, we had gotten about, I think I want to say, 893,000 teams wow. signed up. Tonight, Matt said, there's actually a draft, which is a little bit different than just sort of, you know, talking to analysts and talking to injury folks and talking to people that will help you align your team the best. I believe it's 7 Eastern tonight. They're actually going to have a draft. I know Matthew Barry is there, the other Matt Barry. <laughs> And some of the other people, Field Gates, some of our analysts, I ran into Hasselbeck yesterday. So I think tonight's going to be a little bit different because in addition to sort of having the fun and doing the wacky stuff, which you kind of need to do when you're going 24 hours a day, you have to keep it a little bit light. Tonight, I think they're actually going to be pulling off a draft. I know Adam Schefter is there. I saw him. He had a little incident where he uh, injured his uh, thumb, and there was some uh, concern about him being able to text Ricky <laughs> News with an injured thumb. <laughs> Lots of fun with that. But I think tonight is actually – the kind of the crescendo of it all. I know it won't end tonight at, at 7 o'clock. It'll be probably an hour 25 by that point or something like that. Uh, but they're actually going to have a draft. So if you're interested or you're forming your team or you just want to get some advice from our guys, that's probably the cool place to go. It's a massive endeavor. Like, it's just the, the lighting, the graphics, the people that have to be involved. It's all over the campus. Um, it's like every day, you know, you're putting on TV. But this is really, truly one of those amazing events. Uh, that talks about like kind of the teamwork that makes ESPN run. It's on right now. I'm not sure what they're doing at this very moment, but I'm sure they're doing something. So I'm not a big fantasy guy, but if you are a fantasy guy, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock your time, I guess, might be a good time if you have a second to park in front and see what these guys are saying tips-wise, who might be the first pick. Um, is it a Camara? Is it a Saquon Bar- Barkley? Where's Le'Veon Bell in this whole thing? So it could be interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, we, we, we always, uh, stay away from the business side of ESPN. Uh, and th- this is, th- but this was different. And that's, uh, Ed Werder, 
who I think is 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 he's really good. I mean, he's got a lot of credibility. He's very knowledgeable. I think ESPN's better today than they were just by bringing uh, Ed Werder back into the fold. He's already reporting. He's like that comfortable sweater that's you know that's uh, um, something that just fits, and he fits it. Uh, talking NFL, ESPN. I'm glad Ed Werder's back, Zubin. Yeah, he was a part of, unfortunately, the 2017 layoffs, and he knows the Cowboys like nobody else. Obviously, yep. the Cowboys every single year, but especially this year, are becoming a huge story with the three contracts out there. Jason Garrett doesn't have an extension. Um, the ascension that many people think the team is willing to make after making the playoffs last year, winning the game, losing to the Rams. Cowboys are always a story in the offseason, too, so Ed has returned as a Dallas-based reporter for us who's going to work, obviously, on the NFL. Cowboys are an Oxnard right now training they had a preseason game over the weekend but for the most part he's going to be covering the cowboys for us in a dallas-based capacity and also covering any sport in a dallas-based capacity um the mavericks are looking to be a big story this year with the mm-hmm. combination of luka Doncic and christoph Porzingis. the texas rangers will be opening a new ballpark uh next year obviously a lot of things happening on the college scene not just specifically in dallas with tcu or smu or dallas fort worth but in and around the state. And I think he's going to have a role similar to Pedro Gomez, who covers the Southwest for ESPN. I was speaking to Pedro last night about Kyler Murray, and my partner Michael Eves was speaking to Ed Werder about Zeke and about some of the other things swirling around the Dallas Cowboys. One thing I would tell you about Ed, though, is it was one of those things that surprised almost everybody. Uh, Bill Hofheimer is a vice president at ESPN. He's a public relations guy, and he put out a tweet welcoming Ed back, and I think everybody wholeheartedly that, But simply a couple of days ago, we were trying to do a Dallas Cowboys segment on Dak Prescott and the money and all of that that's been in the news. And uh, someone just casually said, like, uh, what time are we doing it and who's the reporter? And somebody just looked through one of these, you know, huge stacks of information that he had opened up and said, I was sitting right there. They're like, uh, we're going to do this at 930 Eastern time with uh, Ed Werner. Is that what they said? And everybody was really kind of excited to see it. So it kind of slipped under the radar for a lot of people. And I know Bill put it out there from a more uh, mainstream perspective uh, yesterday. But he's already been on the air. He's already been on the air with us. And it's great to have him back. Certainly is. Great to see Ed Werder out there, Cowboys camp, and, and certainly a lot surrounding it, too, and everything that happens there. Hey, I wanted to get your uh, thoughts. Ryan Rosillo, a guy that I really enjoy both in his radio career and some of the TV work that he's done throughout the years, He's moving exclusively starting next month to to the ringer, and he's kind of had this this dual partnership over the last year with ESPN. You ever get an opportunity to work with Ryan, Ryan Rosillo, a guy that he looks at sports differently, I think, than a lot of people? Oh, yeah. I've worked with him on numerous occasions. He actually spent 14 years at ESPN. He wants his life to be based in California, Manhattan Beach specifically, which is a nice little enclave outside of Los Angeles. And so that's where Bill Simmons' operation is he's obviously been working in a dual fashion with both uh, the Ringer and ESPN, but this new deal he has signed is exclusively with the Ringer, so we're not going to see him too much longer. I did have a chance to chat with him recently. We live close to each other here uh, in the area, and we ran into each other for dinner one night, and we were just talking about a lot of different things. And He had mentioned that uh, he still has about three podcasts left, so if you like listening to him, even though it will be with the Ringer exclusively, um, he's still going to probably crank out three more podcasts for ESPN, he's always in the top 100 in terms of most popular podcasts, among the most popular sports podcasts uh, that is out there. And he's going to be doing one more with Scott Van Pelt. And, you know, this is a guy that I remember when I was working in Denver, Colorado, probably 2007, 
you know, driving back from the mountains. Can you know you know all about that on a Sunday and you're sitting on traffic there? And I, yes, and indeed. And he was, <laughs> you know, about that. And, um, you know, he was working part-time on something called the Baseball Show, which was just basically a show about baseball with uh, former Mets general manager Steve Phillips. He was working sort of part-time. He was working in Boston. He grew up on Martha's Vineyard. And slowly but surely, his role increased at ESPN. So he'd go from a weekly, you know, baseball show before Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio. And eventually he worked his way in. He became Scott Van Pelt's partner. Scott's a great guy. So instead of the Scott Van Pelt show with Ryan Rossillo, it became SVP and Rossillo, which really took off for both of them. I think helped their, both their careers immensely. Scott obviously moved on to some other things, more TV-oriented. He did a show with Danny Cannell, which I think was a big hit. And then he did a show uh, solo. And so he's really grown over the 14 years. He loves the NBA. His most recent podcast, in fact, is with the Jazz general manager. I think it just dropped yesterday. I had a chance to listen to it on the drive home. So I will miss him because he was an interesting guy, like you said, from the perspective of looking and thinking about the NBA. He wasn't really a newsbreaker like a lot of our NBA people are, but he looked at the league in a really interesting viewpoint, and he had the respect of a lot of GMs, so much so that they would come on his podcast uh, in the offseason. And he was always a big baseball guy, too, and college football. He loved college football, but that sort of winnowed in the, in the later years as he became more known with the NBA. So we'll miss him. But if you're looking for a couple of more podcasts on ESPN, including one with Scott, in which I know they're going to talk about some of the things that they've experienced over the years together, that'll still be there. So Trent, if there's anybody out there in the audience like yourself, that's a big fan, you can probably expect a little bit more on ESPN before he goes full scale over there. Hmm. Zuba Mahente from ESPN. Zuba, I'm anxious to uh, to pick your brain as uh, the NFL uh, talkers that have been in the building since uh, preseason has started. Uh, pursuant to the uh, to the rookie quarterbacks, uh, that what they've seen so far. I know a couple of teams have played twice. Uh, Drew Locke's played uh, had a couple of games, but I thought Daniel Jones again. It's it's preseason week number one. Eli did nothing in his only series. Daniel Jones, who drew the ire of Giants fans all around the country in Gettleman, he was over. Drafted. He looked unbelievable. And then later on, I think it was the same night, it was the same night, Kyler Murray uh, is just lighting it up in, uh, with, the, with the Cardinals in his first uh, opportunity. What are the ESPN NFL analysts saying about these rookies, in particular Jones uh, and Murray so far? Yeah, you know, I think Lou Riddick, who I like a lot, said basically, you know, pump the brakes. And I think anybody would generally tell you that from the standpoint of nobody showing anything in the preseason. But for Jones, you're right. He feels like with another guy in the division. I, when I saw that night where he was drafted, you mentioned it, Ken. It just it felt like Donovan McNabb all over again. You know, NFC yeah. East team, top ten pick, um, showing some flashes, and just not accepted at all by the fan base. And you know, lo and behold, McNabb goes to five NFC Championship games, the Super Bowl. I see. I still think one of the more underrated players in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what Daniel Jones can do. Dwayne Haskins was a little up and down. But the guy that I think our guys are peeing in on the most, Ken, is Kyler Murray. Because if you listen to Kyler Murray, I did it, I see the segment I had mentioned with Pedro Gomez last night who lives out there and is, you know, kind of has a front row seat to this sort of unprecedented experiment, to be honest with you. The one thing that you'll notice, Kyler Murray doesn't speak a lot. And he's not really out there on social media. And he's not, let's say, as provocative as some of the other guys in terms of making comments. But if you really listen to him, one of the things he has shown in the first game, as you mentioned, he was six or seven. And, I mean, the seventh pass was a guy stepped out of bounds and came right back inbound and caught Murray's ball. So it's not like any of the passes were even errant. I mean, he was on the money the whole time. If you listen to him, he says things like, and they're very innocuous because he doesn't have like a very 
you know, high-pitched voice, or he doesn't speak very authoritatively. He's very quiet. So sometimes when you hear him say things, they, they just it just passes you by. And after the game the other night, he just said simply something to the effect of, well, I mean, we know this is going to work. It's just a matter of figuring it out. I mean, why wouldn't this work? I mean, I did this in college, and my coach is all on board with using collegiate concepts. Um, you know, we're being very vanilla right now, but when you listen to him, if you really stop and just listen to the words, instead of, you know, this is just another cliche soundbite, or are you going to play more than a series against the Raiders, which I believe is their next preseason game, he is very quietly confident and is really kind of pushing the naysayers to the side, almost to the effect of, like, why wouldn't this work? I know how to run this. I've run this well. My coach is on board mm-hmm. running it. Nobody's run it before. That doesn't mean it can't work. So I think it's very interesting the tact he's taking. He's not going out there and saying, wait till we light the league on fire when the Lions come here on Sunday, September 8th. But if you listen to what he's saying, just see the words in print. He's very confident this is going to work. Other thing I want to tell you quickly, Ken, is that uh, Gomez said yesterday on, on our little, uh, you know, when we were saying goodbye to each other on the air, I have not seen this the rookie quarterback, and maybe you guys have, have noticed this, but I, I don't remember the last time this happened. He said that uh, Murray has engendered so much confidence uh, from Kingsbury that Kingsbury right now, before he's thrown a pass, he's only thrown seven passes, played 11 snaps in one preseason game in his career, he's allowed to audible and check off at the line on Mm. any play he wants. On any play he wants. (laughs) Zupin, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers isn't allowed to do that with LaFleur. Think about that. Right. (laughs) It's a different world, no doubt. Hey, Zupin, I want to go off the beaten path with you, as we like to do from time to time, and go to the world of golf. It's August. In the past, we've had the PGA Championship that at least gave us something to get us through uh, this end of the season. But alas, we're just waiting for the FedEx Cup and the $10 million to a guy that's already a millionaire. <laughs> Doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot out of me. But last weekend throughout the tournament, slow play became something that was a big conversation piece. And, and Bryson DeChambeau was in the middle of it, a guy that he's called, what, the professor. He's got the single-length irons. And he's a guy that just isn't well-liked on the tour is this something that is going to become a bigger headliner, golf and picking up the pace, or is this just an August story that will drift in, and by the time we get to the Masters next year, nobody will care again? I will say the former. Um, by the way, just to show you how healthy golf is with or without wood, this year the winner gets $15 million. Jeez. Uh, it's up to fifteen. It's up to fifteen. Wow. Um, it's good, good to be golf right now. I would say it's, uh, it was the former because it's the guys that are sounding the alarm. In, t- in today's sport, if Brooks Kepka says something, golf listens. <laughs> if Mike Trout yep. says something, insert joke here, Mike Trout never says anything. But if Mike Trout says <laughs> something, baseball listens. If Aaron Rodgers says something, football listens. And so Brooks Kepka has been the number one defender of this particular rule. That is not mm-hmm. being enforced. Justin Thomas, former world number one, has been especially angry too. Rory McIlroy. So if you're going to throw together Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Brooks Kepka, and they've got a problem with the same thing, at some point, I'm not saying it's going to be addressed or it's going to be changed. DeChambeau did say, uh, DeChambeau did say over the last 24 hours, he's going to try to do something about it. Because you mentioned initially, Trent, he sort of recoiled when some of the other guys mm-hmm. went after him and saying this is just the way that he plays the game. Social media has got something to do with it, too. Uh, you're sitting there watching it on TV, and somebody just sits there and has their phone pressed up against the TV, and DeChambeau is taking two minutes to hit a shot. 
literally two minutes to hit a shot. That goes, spreads on social media, and the next thing you know, everyone's talking about it. I would say this. Um, slow play is something that the PGA Tour has been concerned about for a long time, but hasn't enforced. I don't know the last time. I, literally, it may have been over 20 years since they have physically, actively knocked somebody on the course, stroke-wise, for slow play. I want to say I saw a stat that it was in the mid-90s. It's always been there, wow. but they've been extremely hesitant for a variety of reasons to actually enact that. And it was very interesting because, you know, Kepka simply said, you know, when you walk up there, get ready, hit the ball, and move. And obviously it has not adversely affected his game. So when you have a, a rule in place that hasn't been enforced since the mid-90s, I think Kepka and the other guys are simply saying, why have the rule? Rules are there to be enforced. If you've got it on the books, well, you have all the reason in the world to pull the trigger and assess a penalty. But they haven't been able to do that last part. Have they given out warnings? Absolutely. Have they made people get to a roiling boil over this? Absolutely. But until somebody has docked a stroke for this, I don't think people are going to feel that the PGA Tour is strong enough to enforce it. So I think it's going to be a story because I think, Trent, at the end of the day, it's either going to make guys play faster, which will make it another story. It will evolve to another level. Or if this continues, I don't see any of these top guys slowing down their criticism of it. So I think this is a real issue. And finally, Zubin, and I, uh, I asked you to read Randy Peterson's piece yesterday in the Des Moines Register uh, regarding Cyhawk and the fact that game day uh, in Randy's mind is still very much on the table, and he laid out a, a number of factors, including Clemson. That would be twice in, uh, in three weeks if indeed they are the Clemson-Syracuse game is the focus of game day. Uh, did you have an opportunity to read it, and is there anything you could share with our audience? Maybe break a little news would be fine by us. Uh, what did you think of PD's piece? I thought it made sense. Uh, you're inside the building at ESPN. I don't think you get a vote. I wish you did. Uh, but your thoughts, Zoop? I don't get a vote on anything, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'm speaking the truth. All I do is act to the shows. No, um, I would say uh, two things. Uh, when you guys had brought this up, and, and uh, Trent likes to call it the uh, killing segment or whatever it is, you know, during the summer or the early spring mm-hmm. or late spring, I know you guys had spoken about this before. I may have been on with you when this was happening. So I actually had a meeting with a guy that's heavily, heavily involved in it. I just meet with him once a year just to, you know, just uh, say hi and all that sort of stuff, keep keep tabs. And this guy is very high up on the chain of college game day and football in general. And uh, I just had, you know, listened to your show or we had spoken about it. And so I just threw one out there for Iowa State. And I said, you know, hey, I used to work in the area. Can I throw one out? This was back in May when obviously things were still being formed. And, and as Randy noted in his piece, I mean, Obviously, this is a week-to-week thing, so you don't really know until maybe the previous Saturday or the following Sunday, depending on how things shake out. You know, earlier in the season, things are a little easier to guess, right, because most of the big guys are playing non-con teams like this particular Skyhawk game. And I just said to him, and I thought all of Randy's points were good in terms of Iowa State being in the preseason, if people saw this in the Des Moines Register, and everything going on with uh, Iowa as well, and they've obviously hosted game day before, but... The thing I told the guy I was meeting with was I said, listen, I know uh, there's going to be some stiff competition, and this Cyhawk game isn't known or doesn't resonate on the national level the way it does within the state's borders, and obviously Iowa State hasn't hosted it. But I said, can you imagine? This is the one thing I didn't see in Randy's article, but this is the way I would sell it if I was Iowa State University. I would just say, 
what is, and I actually mentioned this to the guy I was speaking to when we were in his office in May, and I, we didn't know the answer off the top of our head. He's been involved in college game day for probably 20 years or so, but not going back to the, the, the origin days with Brando in the 80s, but for a good part of it, especially since the show has exploded and become a cultural hit. And I said, what's the biggest crowd the show's ever had? And we just, you know, off the top of our heads, we didn't know. And I said, to me, that would be Iowa State's selling point. I said, you would be shocked if you knew the number of season tickets Iowa State has sold considering its history, considering they've never had a 10-win season, considering their last conference title came in 1912. I said, the scene, the atmosphere, which is what game day has all been all about, right? The mm-hmm. signs, the this, the people. I said, you would be surprised if you did a little investigation and I said, if I'm Iowa State, the number one thing I would say is you will see a crowd, and every venue says this, right, come here, we'll throw a ton of people out there. But Iowa State has shown its fans have been loyalists for years and years and years as that stadium's been bold and bold and bold in with mitigating factors of success prior to this Campbell era. And I said, if you bring it there, I think you might, I don't want you too hyperbolic, you might get the biggest crowd the show's ever had, and that would be a visual stunner, and that's just a big part of the program and it's excitement every Saturday, too. So that's one thing Randy didn't mention. But if I'm Iowa State and I'm pushing it, I'm thinking about coming up with all the different numbers I can to talk about how many people might be out there for the three hours. And uh, that, that, to me, is Iowa State's best bet to get this done. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, we are out of time, my friend. Thank you for your contribution, as always. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in a week's time. Thanks, Zubin. You got it, guys. See it. Yep, good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente. Trent. You're going to be wrong. I'm going to be wrong, huh? Well, your point was great. I mean, Clemson-Syracuse is a big game that day. It is. But with Clemson in week one now in the spotlight. But they're not in week one. They're on the Thursday Thursday night. night. Right, that's right. Not, that's not it's Saturday not game Saturday game day. day. True. It's not Saturday game day. But they will be a major focal point on that Thursday night as they they kick off the ACC network, correct? Yes. That's the launch that's of it. That's the reason for that, it. That's the reason for yes. it. So do you come back two weeks later with the... You're going to Syracuse. You're not going to Clemson. Yeah, but you got Clemson in the building. Yeah, it's a Thursday night. It's not the same as Saturday game day. I'm not buying that. Do you point. really want Donovan McNabb making picks? Well, who are, who's going to be the, making well, the picks? Well, that's a, save that for another day. Yeah, who would it be? Uh, it's difficult. Yeah, it is. The head coach of Nebraska basketball? Can't do that. Can't do that one, can no. you? We'll come back. We'll finish up. We're at Principal Park, 1208 first pitch today. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO. First purchase. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes of the program. Appreciate you being with us here today. Thank you to Randy Wayho for Zuba Mahente and Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports who joined us uh, early in the program. Uh, all of the shows on Thursday will be coming to you live from Prairie Meadows tomorrow. Trent, I hope I can pull this off. The guy that is responsible for teaching me a much as much about uh, sports wagering. Kind of behind the scenes, he's got the, he's got a, a player page on every college football player. He's the one that told me what line makers, the value they have on each stadium. Okay. And it's yeah. been a while. 
So I want to get, uh, I want to give what's Jack Trice worth now? Now that Iowa State's better and they bolded in, mm-hmm. what's Kinnick Stadium? Is Hawaii still the biggest, uh, home field advantage sports betting wise, uh, in college football? So hopefully we'll pull that off tomorrow. If we do, I think the audience is going to learn a whole lot of stuff. Uh, live right now, prairiemeadows.com slash sports betting. They have a uh, FAQ up there. Ah, frequently questions. asked questions. Very nice. You can go through that, how it's done, if you just have questions about the parlance that you and I talk about quite a bit, mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe you feel lost in our conversations. Right, right. This will help you out with some of the lexicon that that is used in gambling. Just everything there, of course, the schedule of the day on Thursday is will be out there. All the shows will be out there. It's all coming together. It's There's tons going on. we got quick hitters here. Tyler Cook signed a two-way deal with, with the Nuggets. With the Nuggets. With the Nuggets. Good, the, good. The team that he played with, so certainly good there. And what was the other? Oh, i got to show you this. So AP ballots will be released, the AP Top 25. How they voted. 19th. Some of the voters are coming out right now and kind of writing columns, as you'd expect, Mm -hmm. with what they have. The writer for the San Jose Mercury News. Who is it? What's his name? I don't know. Okay. He threw out his Top 25. He has Iowa State. Well, Army at 16. I knew you'd like that. Love that. The Cyclones, preseason number eight. A top ten pick for this guy? A top ten pick for Joe Wilner. Never. He loves the Cyclones. And you know what? Wilner does. He's a a very well-respected writer. Uh, I've read him a lot. We will come back uh, tomorrow. Murph and Andy, two fanatics and four. Rush tomorrow morning at 6. See you at 1460 kick.